Today we continue our journey with the Israelites as they leave Egypt. We'll be thinking about how God guided their way and what they might mean for us as we live our lives here in the 21st century. So our reading is from Exodus chapter 13, starting to read at verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt, armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He'd said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to camp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Guidance can be tricky. If you're driving a Mercedes worth £96,000, you might think you'd take care about where you were going. But people in Leicestershire were most surprised to see a Mercedes worth £96,000 turn off the road and drive into the River Sense. They watched the car being washed 200 metres downstream, bouncing on its way from one bank to another, and water pouring in through the open windows. The driver, a woman. (laughs) It was. It was had simply been following the directions given her by her sat-nav <laughs> without really thinking about where they were taking her. In the interest of gender equality, let me tell you another story about a man this time. Bird watchers at a nature reserve on the Lincolnshire coast were surprised to see a 32-ton lorry driving down the small access road to the beach. The name of the nature reserve was Gibraltar Point, and the Syrian truck driver was trying to get to Gibraltar. 
and had clearly just clicked on the wrong destination on his sat-nav. The moral is that it's no good blindly following directions without thinking about where you're going. That's why, although I'm, I'm full of admiration for Paul Tournier, the Swiss physician and pastoral counsellor, I have hesitations when I read that he says that in trying to do everything for the best, we don't avoid all mistakes. So the Christian life is not a huge effort to do good, but abdication and a prayer that God will guide us through all the reefs. I think it's that word abdication that I hesitate over a little bit, because it comes too close to that phrase, abdication of all responsibility. As if to say, well, I was just following my sat-nav, it's nothing to do with me. It's not enough to exonerate the most stupid and dangerous of driving errors. That said, though, Paul Tournier does have a point in as much as the Christian life is about abdication. It is about me stepping down from the throne of my little empire and inviting Jesus to take over instead. He knows the best way to my ultimate destination, which is heaven, and part of handing control of my life over to him is allowing him to navigate and decide what is the right route for me to take to get there. That's where guidance comes in. If Jesus is Lord of my life, then my life is not my own to do with as I see fit. Whoever I am, my talents, my gifts, my time are at his disposal. And that's not just true of me because I'm a minister. Tunia again said this, and I wholeheartedly agree with him this time, for the fulfilment of his purpose, God needs more than priests, bishops, pastors and missionaries. He needs mechanics and chemists gardeners and street sweepers, dressmakers and cooks, tradesmen, physicians, philosophers, judges and shorthand typists. Well, maybe not so many shorthand typists these days, but you you get the point. One of the really exciting things about this Alpha course and, and the away day we had yesterday especially was the range of people who were there. I mean, I was there as a minister. But we had with us a computer software developer a retired policeman in our specialises in investigating road traffic accidents. Uh, We have um, an intensive care nurse. Uh, We we had um, someone who works for Horsham Matters and men in sheds. We've got a care home manager. We we have a a social worker. And we have someone else I can't remember, and I can't read my notes here that I've scribbled. On my on my piece of paper here, but the range of activities that we had was was massive, and incredible, and really helpful to have all those different perspectives on on what people are doing. Whatever we do, as Christians, we do it for Him, and in that case, we need to know what it is He wants us to do, and that's where guidance comes in. Fireman, did I mention a fireman? Yeah, I had a fireman there as well. In that respect, I think Moses and the Israelites had it easy. You would have thought with a pillar of cloud to guide them by day and a pillar of fire to guide them by night, they couldn't go far wrong. All they needed to do was keep their eyes open and walking in the right direction. Guidance for us is far harder and nowhere near so obvious. You've heard Deborah's testimony about being guided. Thank you for sharing that with us. You may have heard me talk about how clearly I felt 
guided to be led here to come to Brighton Road. Feeling it was time to move on from my previous church, I explored a few avenues without success. I felt what I really needed was a sense of call. Just like the dream that Paul had after he'd spent a while blundering around in Turkey, not really able to find out where God wanted him to be, until he had a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And when I came and preached here, the first Sunday I was here, someone said to me at the end of the service, those words, come over here and help us. And again, the significance of that was profound. I had a strong sense that this was where God wanted me to be. Lots of times, of course, we don't need divine guidance. God has given us each of us a brain that expects us to use it prayerfully. We ask for wisdom to make right and wise decisions. Guidance is not about tossing a coin, heads for yes and tails for no, and asking God to decide which side of the coin happens to come down. That is back to abdicating responsibility. Or the guy once said to me, if all the traffic lights are green on my way home, I know that this is what I need to do. That's not how it works. We pray, we think things through, we work things out, and we use sanctified common sense. Yet at the same time, there's always the option for God to step in and say, actually, I think, you know, you want to go this way. It's not the obvious way. It's not the way that that necessarily makes perfect sense, but I want you to to be here doing this, heading in that direction. And those who've been guided by God have spoken of a, a sense of compulsion. This is something that they need to do. It's a sense of oughtness that doesn't let them go, that doesn't give them rest until they say, all right then, And then there's a peace about it. Or there's a sense of clarity and conviction when a thought comes into their mind that this this is right, this fits. This This is definitely what God is telling me to do. Or it may be a succession of events that lead them to ponder whether God might be talking to them. In my case, it was after a lot of people had said to me, Tim, have you thought of going into the ministry? I could just see you wearing a dog collar. But I remember walking home one afternoon and praying, God, if, if this is you saying this to me through all these different people, I need to know today because it's not something particularly that I want to do with my life. And it was a Sunday and I sat through the evening service and nothing was said. And there was quite a sense of, oh, I'm off the hook. It was in the queue for coffee after the service. <laughs> that Paddy Beresford, who is now at St John's Broadbridge Heath, turned to me and said he felt I had the gift or the potential to be a teacher. And he had no idea of the significance of the words he spoke to me on that day. But on my way home again from church, I just felt everything falling into place in the sense of God saying, this, this is what I want you to do. There are a couple of verses in Proverbs which say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. As with a lot of the wisdom in Proverbs, it's not always that simple, is it? When the Lord led Moses and the people of Israel out of Egypt and down the road to Canaan, the promised land, he did not lead them on a straight path. Thank you for making that so very clear this morning, Deborah. There was a direct route from Egypt to Canaan. It was heavily fortified. And God's concern that his fledgling nation might be intimidated by the first opposing show of force they encountered was well founded. 
So they took a different route, and nobody quite knows the direction that they went in. It's totally obscure to the many people who've tried to reconstruct it, for the simple reason we don't know the location of any of the place names that are mentioned. Before you object to that and tell me that we all know where the Red Sea is, because you can see where the Red Sea is on any map, I ought to point out that the sea which the Israelites crossed on dry land and in which the Egyptians drowned was actually called the Sea of Reeds. And nobody knows where that was. People talk about the Red Sea simply because that's the largest body of water in that vicinity, so it must have been the Red Sea, but actually it's called the Sea of Reeds. And nobody knows where that was, whether it was the Red Sea or one of its inlets, but anyway, whatever way they went, it's clear that they didn't go in a straight line. If they didn't set out heading northeast directly towards Canaan, they probably went southeast instead, And they probably camped at the northern extremity of the Sea of Reeds, where the wilderness started. And then they were told to turn back and probably make their way down the western bank of the Sea of Reeds. And that's what made them such an inviting target for Pharaoh to come and attack them. As Pharaoh rightly assumed that they'd be trapped between his army and the sea. What's clear is that the route that they were directed to take was anything but a straight line, anything but clear, anything but simple or straightforward. In fact, it was so meandering and wandering this way and that that Pharaoh's conclusion was that they were lost, wandering about haphazardly because they were hemmed in by the wilderness and didn't know where they were going. They may well have been confused by that. God's guidance was not straightforward. The verdict of Exodus is that God was deliberately leading them in such a haphazard fashion to lure Pharaoh into one final confrontation which would spell his ultimate defeat and the complete deliverance of God's people from the Egyptian threat. But this was a clear case where God's guidance was quite counterintuitive and didn't seem to make any sense at all. God had led Israel into what looked like a trap and had done so deliberately in order to set them free in a most spectacular fashion. And we will look at that tonight as we celebrate Jamie's baptism in our evening service. But that raises the question, what do we do when guidance doesn't seem to make any sense? Let me make it quite clear that I do not subscribe to the idea that the more bizarre the idea the greater the likelihood is that it comes from God, because no one in their right mind would think of doing that unless God had prompted them. Let me say very clearly, just because it's a bad idea doesn't mean to say that it must come from God any more than just because something is a good idea, it's obviously the right thing to do. But if you feel like you're being led to do something a bit unexpected... What do you do with that? Pray about it. Wait. Double check with God. If the feeling that despite all indications to the contrary, this is something you have to do, that may be an indication that it's God prompting you. Talk it through with one or two people whom you respect. Don't go around talking to everyone until you find someone who says what you want them to say. And then there's Deborah there, just, just, okay, I'll have a look and see. No commitment, I'll take baby steps 
in the direction that I'm being led. I won't do anything rash or precipitous. Keep your options open for as long as you can. So that when and if the moment comes when you finally have to commit yourself, you are as sure as you can be that this is the only way forward that I can go as an expression of my obedience to God. And I really feel if I was doing anything else, I would be turning my back on the guidance he's given me. That sense of clear conviction. And if, like the Israelites, you follow God's guidance as best you can and find yourself in a bad place, because sometimes that happens, what do we do? Remember that there is no place from which God cannot deliver you. It may be that he has led you to this place with a plan and purpose in mind. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. It may be that despite your best intentions, somewhere along the line, you went right when you should have gone left. Sue and I followed the directions on the walk the other week, which did precisely that. Wherever you are, whatever reason it is you end up there, you cannot wander off God's map. You cannot find yourself in a situation from which he cannot extricate you. He will, able, he will be able to get you from where you are to where he needs you to be, even if he needs to make a path through the sea to get you there. Because God is well able to do that. If you find yourself in a bad place and there seems to be no way out, then stop and pray. If you need him to lift you out and transplant you, that's his business. If staying put is not an option then sanctified common sense. Take the direction that seems best to you and ask God to show you the way ahead. But remember that verse from Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the shepherd sometimes leads his sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. And he's with us every step in that valley. There's a verse in Psalm 32 that says, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, which will be guided by bit or bridle. God has promised to be our guide. God has promised to show us the way ahead. Sometimes sanctified common sense is all that we need. Sometimes God says, actually, I want you to go this way. And that's part of his sovereignty over our lives as we give our lives to him. When that happens, we think, we pray, we consult, we explore, we trust, we go. We go because God's in charge. And as we honour him and follow his path, we will never find ourselves in a situation from which he's absent or from which he cannot deliver us. We put our trust in the God to whom we belong, who is always with us and who guides his people at all times.